We want to welcome you to the New Song Podcast, coming to you from beautiful Colorado Springs. We love receiving your prayer requests and comments at newsongcs.com. Thanks for listening as Pastor Stephen Hibden shares an encouraging word of God's love. Been working out lately, I probably noticed, but mountains are dotted throughout. Excuse me, let's not have that. None of that, Diane, no. Mountains are dotted throughout the landscape of our, our Bibles. Talks about mountains 500 times in the Bible, all throughout different places where different things happened, where God met people. And I grew up in, in my life in Missouri without any mountains, never saw a mountain one time. Here, we are privileged in Colorado Springs. Any day of the week, you just look to the west, is it? Wherever that is. And you will see the mountains. And sometimes um, they're cloudy and sometimes it's cloudy up there. Sometimes there's snow on them. Sometimes there's, the sun is hitting them just right. But I don't think I've ever looked at them and not thought they're beautiful. And uh, it's a joke. When my parents come to town, I say, did you see Pikes Peak? Did you know we can see Pikes Peak from here? And they're like, yeah, I know that you can see. Because they live in California and they say how pretty it is there. But here we have the reminder and the assurance, the blessed assurance that anytime we need you look to the mountains and remember how great God is. And then this series that we're going through, um, you know, it sh- talks about different mountaintops where God bridged the gap between us and him. And my hope through this is that we would uh, truly experience another level in our walk and our relationship with God and our connection with the Holy Spirit as we meet God on these different mountaintops in the Bible. And I want to remind you that God still moves mountains. Can I hear an amen? And God still meets people on the mountaintops. Can I hear an amen to that? Would you just pray over the word of God as we, as we uh, get into this? Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is inspired by the Holy Spirit, that it was written by 40 different authors, but that, that you spoke through each of them, and it all makes sense. Lord, I pray for the youngest person in this room. Lord, we pray for the youngest person in the other room, Lord, that you would speak to them as well as they are uh, hearing from you too and that they are learning about Jesus. But the youngest person in this room to the old. Lord, I, to the oldest, I pray that you would speak to them today. Lord, I pray that we'd be open. I pray that we, I come against the attitude that we all can have where I'm coming to church, but I don't really, I'm not here for the message or I'm just here for this. I'm just here that you would speak to them today through your word in a powerful way that we would not be calloused of, oh, we're just looking at the Bible again, that we would take it seriously. And now I want to introduce you in Jesus name. Sorry. Now I want to introduce you to Elijah. Uh, almost every Everyone has heard of Elijah before. Do you get him mixed up with Elisha? I'm not going to get you mixed up. We're just talking about Elijah today. And I want to talk about a mountaintop experience he had. In fact, I want to get into two mountaintop experiences. They happen one right after another. Elijah was this amazing guy who was an example of a water wader, if you know what I mean. If we were here when we were talking about water and wading into the water, the deeper we go with God, as Ezekiel 37 talks about, the the more the Holy Spirit is able to uh, work through us. And this guy, Elijah, before Ezekiel was ever on the scene as a prophet who prophesied about waiting in the water, he was a water waiter on another level. And he's getting ready to go even to another level in his 
connection to God and is, is living on another level for that matter. First Kings chapter 18, it's found there. I'm going to read out of the NIV uh, Bible, and it says in verse 16, I'm going to read just a couple of verses, then we're going to talk about it, then I'll read a couple more. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. So now when he saw Elijah, Ahab, when he saw Elijah, he said to him, oh, there you are, the troubler of Israel. Elijah, you are a troublemaker. There, I finally found you. And he's, he's wanting to kill him is what he's doing. And Elijah is the man of God, and he is strong, and he is bold, and he is courageous. And he goes, uh-uh, I am not the troublemaker. Do you know who the troublemaker is here? Is you, Ahab, you are the troublemaker. Elijah replied, you and your family, because you have abandoned the Lord's command and followed the Baals. We don't have the Baals anymore, but the Baals are all the gods that we serve that we shouldn't be serving. We would call him the devil. We would call them money sometimes. We would call that fame, popularity. We would call that um, whatever it is that takes your time away from the real God from the small gods. Now summon, Elijah's not done there by insulting him, by saying, it's your fault. And he says, now this is what I'm going to do. Summon all of your prophets. Summon the people from all over Israel to meet on a mountain because it'll make a great scene for this, Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and also the 400 prophets of Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. Get all those devil worshipers here. I want to meet them. I want to have a, I want to have it out right here and now. Why does this story captivate us so much? Well, it captivates me, and, and I remember even as a kid in Sunday school hearing this. The reason it captivates us is because we all long to step out so boldly and see God come through so powerfully. In our lives, we so identify or we want to identify with this man of God, Elijah. Oh, yeah, I'm just like Elijah. We would love to say that because we want our lives, as we've talked about, one, we want to live in, with a destiny. We all have something deeper inside, a dream inside that's long to be, longing to be fulfilled. We all have, even if we've seen God do great, we all want to see, well, I would hope we would all want to see God do greater things. And so we want to be like Elijah. But you know what? We don't want to risk. We don't want to take the risk. I would never, you might say, I would never go to 850 devil worshipers and say, meet me in the middle of town so that I can show you who is God. We might say, well, we'll pray for them in Jesus. I pray that something would happen and then they would give us the glory and that God, you would get the glory. But I don't want to be a part of it. Just, just make it happen. It's, it's almost like a picture I see of a, of a person who is swimming. They're, they're an Olympic swimmer. What's the guy that everyone knows and won a million? Yes, Michael Phelps. They put on the power suit. Shh. And I was going to put one on today, but I didn't want to um, show anyone up, and, and it would be awkward. So you put on the power suit. They put on the nose thing. They put on their goggles that I'd never work for me when I put those goggles on, they fill up with water, and they get ready to jump into the water, and they hear the beep, and they jump. And it's this picture, 
But instead of jumping into an Olympic pool and going 300 yards, they jump into a baby pool. And there's nowhere to go. The, the width of it, is, it's ridiculous. And you're thinking, oh, you're swimming? And they get down in the water and they start trying to swim and they're going nowhere and I would say to them oh you want to be like Elijah but you're stuck in your baby pool you're too afraid to jump in this pool over here you don't think you can do it and God would say jump in and watch me propel you to the finish line yet we stay in the baby pool of and and the worst thing about it is sometimes we even think we're in an Olympic pool and we're like yeah it's gonna be something I go to church every Sunday I'm serving with the young people and I'm doing a pretty good job and I'm like no you're not you understand my picture you might be saying I feel like my life is going nowhere I feel my like like my life is on repeat and I would encourage you today I I'm sure it's not if you have any inkling any seed of Jesus in you if you've asked Jesus at one time to be with you and even if you haven't asked, he's probably at work in your life right now. I would prophesy over someone in this room or all of us that he is positioning and he is aligning you for a reason, for a purpose. And when you think it's Groundhog Day, every day you wake up and it's the exact same day. and Everything goes the same way. And there's just a little bit of difference here and there. But, man, my life is boring. I would say maybe you need to get out of it, but some of you, your, your life is not as boring as you think. God is taking you somewhere, and it may be very similar to where he was taking Elijah. He'll call you to do tough things, to get you to live at a higher level, to get you to live at your destiny. He will call you to things, and he will bring you to mountaintops, and you will not want to go to the mountaintop. You remember Abraham? Well, you remember Abraham, right? Last week, he did not want to go where he was going with his son Isaac. Maybe you don't feel, maybe you don't think it's the right thing that you're doing. You're on your way somewhere. It's not going to be easy. Often it's not easy what God asks you to do. I promise you, if you let God take you somewhere, it, I promise you, it'll, it'll pay off. God will bring you something. And I'm going to show you what he did in, in Elijah's life because he could take him to a place in Isaiah, I, Isaac, uh, Isaac, first Kings. It's a new book. First Kings chapter 18, verse 20. Verse 20 says, so Ahab sent word throughout all Israel. Oh, this cocky Elijah. He wasn't being cocky. He was just being courageous. He wants us all to meet at Mount Carmel. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver? When he got up there, he just said it straight. He said, this is why we're here. I want to remind you. I want to summarize. I want to explain. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then let's follow him for crying out loud. But if Baal is God, follow him. I would love for someone to do that in your lunchroom at school. Let's just set this straight. But the people were like, dude. You're crazy. You are crazy. And so then, and we're going to stop there. Let me just challenge or show you what happened next. He then challenged them to a duel. He said, we're going to put a sacrifice on the altar, and we're not going to put any fire on it. If your God is God, if Baal is God, if Asherah is God, come on down, Baal, Asherah, and burn this sacrifice up. If my God is God, then he will send the fire down. Let's just see what happens. 
So the prophets, all these demonic people, I'm sure it was much more evil than we even can believe. I know that there was, they, they cut themselves, they made blood flow, they did horrible things to try to get their gods. They would call on them. They would do kind of acts that you don't even want to talk about in church. Gods come down and know God. And Elijah the whole time is going, uh, I'm waiting. It's it's day. It's midday. Now it's starting to get evening. And your God's not showing up. Is he sleeping? What's going on here? And nothing would work. And then you know the story. Elijah prays to his God. How many are glad that you're on the right side when you pray? You're praying, oh, God, help me. I'm in the middle of this. I need your help. I need, you know, I, I wish you would come through. How many are glad you're on the right side? I want to I put a disclaimer in here that sometimes I think that uh, we're not on the right side when we pray. I wouldn't say, well, I'm not a, I'm not a devil worshiper. I don't worship other gods. I would, I would never do that. But I think at times we jump into the baby pool and we think we're... And we're not doing much business in the spiritual realms. The Bible says that um, the prayer is our weapon against the evil. And sometimes I think our prayers are so shallow and that we are so, um, we are so shallow that, it, that they're not doing any more than what the prophets of Baal were doing. Oh, please come. Please come down. And, and no fire is coming. And I want to encourage you today. That's not what God wants for us. And that's not to condemn us. That's not to make us feel bad. But know who your God is when you pray. I don't know what it was about a situation. We had uh, youth groups. Uh, we took a bunch of youth, uh, probably 150 kids to New York to do a missions trip there, right? And um, because of the sheer number of kids, um, we lost about 50 of them. During the week. No, I'm just kidding. No, but we, we would go on the subway everywhere we'd go, and we did lose a number of kids a number of different times. And we had a plan each time that if we missed you, if you got, didn't get on because the door shut, they're not like um, Denver Airport where they, oh, we'll let you on. They, they shut and they shut, and that's it. And so we'd lose them at one, and, they, and let's move on. So we, we found them all. But there were times, because of the sheer number of kids that, um, they weren't all prayed up. They weren't all on this trip like uh, men of God. They weren't all Elijah's, right? And we were staying at a hostel that was like a, um, not like a, but it was. It was an old hospital. And the place, the, you, the wing we were on was the old ICU wing. It was so creepy. There were still gurneys sitting around. It was just like, ugh. And um, we sensed a dark presence in one of our gatherings while we were meeting to, to deliberate from the day. And um, we just knew, I just knew and the other leaders that, you know, we're not prayed up. We're taking this not so seriously. It was almost like we were swimming in the shallow when God had asked us to go on the mountain and fight the, the prophets of Baal. And we took authority immediately over that. And we said, in Jesus' name, we come against the principles of the evil world. And we, you get out of this place in Jesus' name. And there was a hallway this way and a hallway this way. And it was like, um, oh, it was the trippiest thing. The doors both slammed shut. They slammed shut both ways. And the presence immediately was gone. And the room was just filled with peace. And the kids began to cry. And we began to worship. And we began to realize, oh, man, it was just God saying, you better be serious about this when you're out here on the streets and you're talking to people about Jesus. And I... I um, 
I, I say all that just to say you must be sure that if God has a mission for you to do on a mountain like Elijah, make sure you are really wading into the water deep enough, so deep, not to your ankles, not to your waist, not to your area here, whatever this is, over your head, so that almost like the lazy river, as Sandy quite truly prophesied, that the lazy river just takes you in a direction, not that you don't want to go, but the direction you want to go, and let the Spirit flow through you and watch God move. And that's exactly what he does right here in verse 37. You could be at your end. You could be at your wit's end. You might think, man, the sacrifice that I am trying to ask the Holy Spirit, my life, my living sacrifice, I am asking the Holy Spirit to breathe on me, to blow on me, to send his fire down on me. Ah, I am not in a place where he would ever do that. Your sacrifice might be at it's wettest. And where the wood is the wettest, God's light shines the brightest. And it says, answer me, Lord, verse 37, answer me so these people will thank you that you are turning their hearts towards me. I don't know if I mentioned all about the water and the, did I mention that part? You know the story, but before that, the, the wood was wet. And what I'm saying is sometimes you feel like your wood is wet and it's not burning. Elijah said, since your God didn't come down or come up or wherever he is and burn up the sacrifice, I will call on my God. But before we do it, I need about four gallons of water poured on my uh, sacrifice. So they poured them on. It was uh, one time. And then he said, I need four more gallons. And they poured it on. And then they said it again. I need more. And so he's pouring this water all on the sacrifice. It's like, dude. If you want to fail, you are setting yourself up. God called you to do this, but now you're going to sabotage the whole thing by pouring water. It says, there was so much water on this wood that it was falling down over the altar, and there's a, a thing around the outside of it, like a little moat, but the moat was to protect you from the fire that was coming, and it filled up with water too. And the water was precious, but by that, for that matter, it was, it was in a time of drought where there was no water anywhere. And people are saying, you are crazy. And Elijah says now in verse 37, answer me, Lord. So these people will turn, will know that you are God, that you are turning their hearts back to him. Verse 38, then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice. It burned up the wood, the stones and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Maybe you're here today and you're saying, Okay, I'm ready. Just I just need to call it down. Maybe that's what God's calling you to do. Would, could, Madeline, I didn't ask you to do this, but would you come up and play again? We're, we're, we're tricking her into getting up here. We appreciate you. No, we're not. She's, she's much smarter than that. But maybe... Maybe you're here and you're saying, man, I, I'm ready to do that. I, I want to call on, on the name of the Lord to, to fill my, to, to burn my sacrifice. I want to leave you with something, though. A, a significant mountaintop experience that happened right after this. One chapter later, he was on Mount Carmel, and then he's on another mountain. It's in chapter uh, 19. 1 Kings. 
The other mountain, it was one was Mount Carmel. The other mountain, theologians agree that it was the same mountain and probably the same place where Moses got the Ten Commandments. It was Mount Sinai. He was probably in the same place where God showed his glory the other time. And now Elijah is standing here. God brings Elijah to this place. And I wonder why he did it. I would submit to you today that there's a reason for it because he wants to tell us that sometimes he speaks in a courageous, wonderful way like this, but other times he speaks another way. Really quickly, let's just read the three verses. It says, 1 Kings 19, please stay with me. Don't zone out. We're almost finished. 1 Kings 19, go out and stand on the mountain, God told him. In the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And it would be the same word for Harold, and it would be the same word for every other person in this room. Come out. Come out to the mountain and watch, because I'm going to pass by you. There's no one in here that does not live up to the prerequisite, if you know Jesus, of standing there and watching God move. And this is what he says. Then... Then, then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. I imagine Elijah was like, oh my gosh, what are you teaching me now? And the Lord was not in the wind. And the wind, after the wind, there was an earthquake. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. An amazing act of God, you would think. And then after the earthquake came a fire. And Elijah knew, this is the Lord. He just met me last week. I don't know how long before that it was. But he just met me one chapter ago on a mountain. And he poured down his fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it. He pulled his cloak over his face and would have went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, and he began to talk to him about some things. I want to stop right there. God is calling some of you to stand on Mount Carmel and proclaim against the gods of this world. You have no place. But at the same time, he's calling others, and he might be calling the same ones as well, to remember to go stand on Mount Sinai too. Because wherever there is a Mount Carmel, this will preach, this is good. Wherever there is a Mount Carmel, there is always a Mount Sinai where God shows up as well. And he says, as he said to Moses, I am everything you need. In a gentle whisper, I am that I am. I believe that's what he said to Moses. I never understood that as a kid. It just simply meant, I am everything you need. I am fill in the blank. I am providence. I am, I am provision. I am blessing. I am your love. I am your peace. I am your joy. I am your love. Whatever it is, God would say in a gentle whisper, so as not to scare someone at times everything that you need. Lord, we love you today. 
And I know you're not finished in this place. I know that you have something to speak to someone in this room, all of us in this room. Lord, we release our, our ideas of how you speak to us. We release them to you. We surrender to you. We stand at the mouth of the cave on the mountaintop, and we watch and we listen. Lord, I pray that you would make us attentive. Lord, I, make, I pray that you would make us a people that, are, that are more attentive to your spirit, gently speaking, quietly speaking, that we would be so attentive that we would never miss. We would never not yield to what you say. We would never not, we would never grieve you because we're listening and we respond as well. You know, there's a scripture, it's in Zechariah. And it says, there was another prophet, he said, it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. In other words, I will do things as I do them, and all of the hosts will come with me, all of the angels. They will all be behind it. You better be open because your prayers, and when you talk to God, are you listening? I don't like to pray. Well, this isn't necessarily a sermon about prayer, but it's a sermon about your relationship with Jesus. When you connect with Jesus, know that the same weapons that you use in the business world or the same weapons you use uh, as a teacher or as a, as a whatever you do, they're not the same weapons you use in the spiritual world. Often they're different. They are not carnal, the Bible says. The weapons of the, our warfare are not carnal. They tear down the strongholds of the enemy, but they're not human-made. You don't even see them at times. You don't even, oh, you don't even feel them at times. You don't even, perhaps know they're even there. Well, God, show me. Give, give, give. Make it real to me. Come in an earthquake. Come in a strong wind before I go before my friends and tell them what they're doing. Not not what they're doing wrong, but before I go before my friends and tell them about the love of Jesus, come and he would say, sometimes it's a quiet whisper and it is powerful and he is, and he's given you the tools with your prayer. I'm going to demonstrate. It's really hard. It goes like this. Oh, Jesus, help me. And the power behind that is the Lord of hosts. By my spirit, says Zechariah 4, 6, the Lord of hosts. Oh, help me, Jesus. The Lord of hosts is there waiting, taking you along, keeping, keep, keeping you in line, positioning, positioning you for the breakthrough, positioning you to see people, more people know Jesus. Would you stand with me? Be ready for God to speak in the fire. Be ready for God to speak like Elijah saw on Mount Carmel, but also be ready for God to speak like he did on Mount Sinai to Elijah in a quiet whisper. Would you say something to, the, to God right now, to Jesus, to the Holy Spirit, in your own words? Maybe lift up your hands. It's a way of showing surrender. I surrender my human ways. I surrender my own tools. 
the weapons of my warfare are not carnal. And I would say, I'm in a war. And I would tell you, if you don't know you're in a war, you are. I'm in a war. I need some weapons. God, would you make me more sensitive to hear your, your words to me? Would you make me more attentive to what you say? Thank you, Jesus. I need to say, you can put your hands on. I need to say something. I wasn't going to bring it into this, but I sensed, um, and I am probably the biggest optimist there is in the whole world. My kids will be sick. They'll be bleeding. I'll be like, oh, you're okay. You're fine. You're fine. No, no, good. No, you're okay. Stop crying. And so I don't like to bring up negative things. I hate negative. I feel, it's not true, but I feel like if you're positive, you can change the world. And there's a part of that that's true. If you have faith, you can move mountains, right? We're going to talk about that next week. But, you know, I was uh, driving home, or I was going to the hospital last night and um, for Luba and praying. And I, I'm on, on my way. Often when we're driving, we're not praying. You know, we're just going somewhere from here to here. And I would encourage you that when, with as much as you can, that you're not just going from here to here, that you are also including the Holy Spirit in your drive or whatever it is. I need to do that more because I'm dangerous when I drive, so I need to include him more. And maybe that's why I'm so safe because I've only had one accident in my life. But I would say to you, as you're driving, be attentive. Sometimes what you're going to sense is something that you don't want to sense. But this is what I sensed. I sensed, uh, yes, it was dark, so it was black. So I sensed that it was nighttime. But I sensed it was nighttime in another way, too. As I was driving through Colorado Springs, it's such a huge city. You can drive for miles. You can drive for almost an hour and still be in Colorado Springs. And I sensed darkness everywhere I drove. I sensed this, oh. And it wasn't just personal, oh, it's just darkness in your car because of something. No, it was just like this overwhelming thing, kind of just telling me to tell you that we're in a battle. We are in a war. And yes, I want there to be bright days and sunny skies. And, and yes, God is winning. And yes, he is victorious. And, and no, you don't need to be depressed about this. But there is a darkness. When you ask God to reveal it, it's there. And you're driving, and you've heard people say, well, I just sense this area is just dark, right? Just this area, like this hospital that we're in and this mission ship, it's dark here. It was dark. And then as I got to the hospital, it was packed with people. And often Memorial is packed with people at 10 o'clock at night. But it was packed. People were coming in. Ambulances were coming in. I got up to the ICU unit. It was packed. Often you can go in and there might be one room with someone in it. But every room was filled. And it was almost like they, they needed, they, there was more people that are waiting to get in. That's how it felt, felt to me. And when I left that place, I was so glad to get out of that hospital. I put on that hand sanitizer. I went to the next one. I got some more. And I went to the next one. I got some more. I started putting it on my face. No, I was just kidding. And I got in my car and I started driving home. And what did I see? Bright days. No. What I saw was more ambulances. I saw four ambulances on the way home going to that hospital. I saw three police cars stopping people on my way home. I drove very slow because I did not want to be one of those. And I sensed it was just, I just didn't like what I sensed. And I encourage you and I say stand on guard. Get out of your waiting pool. Get into the water. Because God needs us in this battle. And so, Lord, we pray right now. Would you just pray with me? 
that we would be attentive, that we would be ready, that we would know that it's not by might, not by power, but by our spirit, says the Lord. God is calling some of you from high praise, which is wonderful, to quiet reverence. God is calling someone else to, from bold requests to great humility. They might be the same. It's not either or, it's and. But he's calling some from bold request to great humility. Some from happy celebration into deep reverence and godly fear. The Bible says the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. God is calling some of you to fear God more than you feared him before. There's nothing wrong with that. That's healthy. Plan times. This is your challenge today. Plan times to wait on him to just soak in his presence. Put on a worship song. Put on some worship music that doesn't have an end to it. There's, there's all kinds. I have one song. It's 15 minutes long. I can soak in God's presence. I do it every day because I usually put Jaden to, to take a nap every day. And I sometimes fall asleep, but often I just sit and listen to God's, God's, God just speak as Jaden falls asleep. Take some time to soak. Maybe you like to journal. Maybe you like to write things down. Some hate it. Don't do that if that's you. But write down what God impresses on you and know it is him speaking because God still needs us. Thanks for listening today. Remember, God wants to do the impossible through you and me. We encourage you to become a deeper part of what we are doing. Visit us at newsongcs.com and... Become a giver to the New Song Foundation and an investor in bringing this message of Jesus across the world. God bless you.